0: All right, the Rams set to play two games in the next eight days, Sunday at the Coliseum against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then a quick turnaround for Thursday night football in Seattle as they open up division play in the NSC West. Coming up on this edition of Rams All Access, getting the offense back on track and why Jared Goff needs to be better. But, DeMarco, we have to start with the news of the week. What's that? Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup switched helmets in Cleveland. Oh, God, that's disgusting. I hate you for that. Mouthpieces too. Uh, why?
1: To why would you ever do that? I get it. I've been there. He's my teammate. He's my brother. I love him. I step in front of a moving train for him, but I think I stop at mouthpieces. I'm not stuffing your mouthpiece in my mouth. That's disgusting. So
0: what do you mean you've been there before? That's happened to you, can't find your helmet, grab someone else's by accident, you play a series with the wrong helmet? Is yes, that what you're saying? Yes,
1: keyword by accident. You'll grab somebody else's helmet. This is back when your your mouthpieces were attached to your face mask, right? Back mm-hmm. in the old days. So you grab the wrong helmet, you run out on the field and you put it on and you know something is not yours, <laughs> but you got to play anyway, and the rule was you got to stick a mouthpiece in. Ah god, you got to do it for one play, then run out and get your helmet. That's nasty.
0: Wow good for them though that came from uh those players respective instagram stories they had some fun with that both yeah. had tremendous weeks at cleveland and i'm looking at this as a cup half full situation if you will and see by the way happy birthday to brandon cooks this week yeah. but i see this as undefeated comma despite you're three and zero, despite only scoring 30 points once so far Committing five turnovers in three games. Missing two makeable field goals in three weeks. Traveling to the Eastern time zone twice in three weeks. I think the Rams should feel good about being 3-0 and and not yet putting together a complete performance.
1: I, I look at it as your 3-0. I mean, every team is different, every season is different, and this is a good football team, good roster. I'm not coming off that, but uh, you're working into shape. Everyone is. And some of the teams that are like that are streaking right now are going to come back to earth. This is football. It's a long season. We got It's a long way to December. There's a lot to work on, uh, but there's a lot of good happening. But the one positive, the one thing that you can hang your head on is you're one of the, what, seven undefeated teams in the NFL, no matter where you've Seven gone. Seven at
0: three and yeah. eight without a loss. But I like your point yeah. about the fact that some of those teams are going to have to face reality here soon. Tonight's a good example Philadelphia and Green Bay. Uh, other games upcoming like Dallas-New Orleans. I mean, there's a lot of good that can happen for Rams fans this week, aside from the four quarters at the Coliseum it's one of those someone's got to lose this week and no matter who it is it helps the Rams
1: no doubt and if you don't figure out what your problems are and that's the thing that gives me confidence because we do face the coach or at least talk to him every Monday uh, on air and off he knows what the problems are and he knows where he needs to improve it's fun and I'm not you know calling out names but you've probably been there where it's a loss or a win and you can see where the holes are and that's the last thing we talk about you know what I mean with well, this coach is different. We're
0: yeah. going to dig into what's wrong with the offense right now and how Sean McVay is going to attack these 6-1 fronts that have oh been given. Oh, my God. Can I apologize?
1: I apologize, JB. I tweeted about the 6-1 and you did. Cause we got the same tutorial from McVay. And all I got were tweets backward, like, link, send me a link so I can see it. Well, it's not something you can see. It's something that he showed us mm. and talked about. He knows how to fix this. He knows where the issues are.
0: But I'll say this, this has been a great reminder, this chess match going on, about why football is the greatest team sport and why it takes all 11 to have success on any individual play. And I'll get into some examples of that, but I will say it's not necessarily holistic in terms of the offense lacking. It's having one breakdown at one point of one play and not getting the result that puts you on schedule or ahead of schedule or allows you to put the football in the end zone when you're in the red zone. So individually and collectively, yes, it needs to get better. But to me, it doesn't feel like the Rams are as far away as it's looked at. No,
1: absolutely not. The best illusionist, and I don't want to say magician because it's all an illusion, is David Blaine, in my opinion. He always gets me to go, wow, football ain't that hard. Belichick is just ahead of a lot of people because he's he studies more than you. Mm -hmm. So he's attacking weaknesses, not in scheme, of people you have. So when I say that, Sean McVay already knows how to beat the six-one. Can he do it with the guys he has? Is the question. Yeah, yeah. That that's the issue. So they're going to put stress where you might not know there's a problem. And I think that's the problem or been the issue of slowing down this offense.
0: And then Tampa Bay. Can the Bucks present the same look with the same challenges that some other teams the Rams have faced lately have been able to do with great success? Vita Vea and Dama Kinsu, good defensive tackles. Uh, we'll get into those individual matchups a little bit later on in Rams All I Access. Check
1: that VO2 that cardio with those big dudes absolutely making
0: them run side to side i love
1: big strong dudes absolutely let's see if you can do it for four quarters (laughs) but uh,
0: a little bit of research i've done this week that i think is pertinent to this particular game the bucks should be two and one turns out they're one and two but i think you would agree the south for whatever reason is down has not gotten off to a great start apart from the saints and the bucks right now in their current structure do not look like a playoff team No, Um. here's the funny thing. And the reason I say that is because that makes them a team that the Rams, quote-unquote, should Should beat at home.
1: Here's the thing. I was thinking about this in traffic on the way over. That's why I was late, Adam. Give me a funny look. If I could, if all things were equal, I think I'd rather have Case Keenum as my quarterback than Jameis Winston. And I know that makes people go, wow, really? Why? Because. Because at least Case Keenum, I know, is going to run my offense and not run around in it. So I remember something Mike Mart said years ago when he was attacking Kurt Warner. This is before the hole in his career when he went to New York. Good football team, and he said this on the record. This team is being held hostage by its quarterback. I see the same thing out of Tampa. That's a pretty good football team top to bottom.
0: With great weapons in the passing game.
1: Excellent weapons that just is held hostage by Jameis Winston at times.
0: Because he's going to give you one or two possessions per game. He's played 59 career regular season games 62 interceptions and 40 fumbles.
1: Says a lot, right? Now, he'll have streaks to where he's hot, everything looks great, and then you'll have stuff like this, where it's eight incompletions in a row, plus a fumble, plus a pick, plus 12 men in a huddle, plus a delay. You know, all in one quarter, which puts you behind, you know, and you Mm -hmm. can't dig that out. So that's tough to do week in and week out, man. That just gets to you as a a teammate.
0: But here's my observation about the McVay era. Since the Rams have been up and running, since they've kind of recovered from their... Jeff Fisher-era doldrums, right? You have to be a playoff team to beat them. Take out Week 17 when they had clinched and they played the 49ers at home with backups. Only one sub-500 team, Washington, early in that first year under McVay, has defeated the Rams. The other regular season losses, 9-7 Seattle, 13-3 at Minnesota, 13-3 Philadelphia, a team that won the Super Bowl, 13-3 at New Orleans, a team they took to the NFC Championship game. 12 and 4 Chicago, 9 and 7 Philadelphia. And my point is on average, teams who have beaten McVay in the regular season have gone on to win 10.86 games in those seasons. You have to be good, you have to be playoff caliber. To hang with the Rams. And this is a league that is designed so that you cannot take any week for granted. No doubt. There's not supposed to be an expression, beat the teams you're supposed to beat.
1: See, now I would rewind that. If you want to define what culture is, that's it right there. I'm comfortable in that. You saw the rings, and this is not showing off. Good teams think like that. To beat us, you're going to have to be great. We're not going to lose to just the also Rams. This is why I laugh when I was in school. We didn't lose to Cal. We didn't lose to Oregon. We didn't lose to Oregon State. We didn't lose to teams that we should beat. We Especially only- not at home. Right, and if if we did, it was a fluke, and the next week we killed whatever team was on our schedule. So if you're a great team and you have a great mentality, that is your mindset. To beat us, you're going to have to be better, and you're going to have to be great on game day.
0: Which is not to say... That on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a one-off sample size, if the Rams don't do their job, they can't take a loss. That's still totally possible. True, but not with McVay and not with
1: Aaron Donald, not with the guys they have. Because of the
0: way they prepare, because of the mentality they bring, because their passion and desire to win. Their
1: culture is different. Tampa Bay is going to have to match them and be better if they're going to beat them.
0: So, expecting a win is one thing. Expecting the offense to get right is another. Why is the Rams offense just average so far? That's the question we'll tackle next on Rams All Access. You're listening to ESPN LA 710.
2: Our defense has been playing well, so offensively, our standards are so high, we expect to be better, and and, and we need to be if we want to win games late in the year and want to continue to be competitive. And We are 3-0. We've been able to be fortunate enough to do enough to win these past three games, but we know that, you know, in, in in certain games down the road it won't be enough and, and we need to elevate that standard even further and And continue to to be detailed and and be sharp on offense.
0: Rams quarterback Jared Goff in anticipation of week four at the Coliseum, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in a matchup against another former number one overall pick in Jameis Winston. How about this? Jared Goff seven and oh in the Sean McVay era against fellow number ones at quarterback after defeating Baker Mayfield.
1: It's about to be eight. I just thought about this. Jameis lost to a backup, right? Correct. And so did Marcus Mariota. Lost to a backup. So that was the other guys before Jared Goff and group and all that. So yeah, I mean, I don't think this is just me. I don't think you can win with Jameis. I think it's obvious now, period. Don't you think? I think every week, every Sunday, Monday, Thursday is going to be a struggle with him.
0: I would try something different. I still think he has a tremendous skill set. I still think he has NFL value. I don't think at this point you can say he's going to get you to where you want to go.
1: Right. And this is not me, I guess, you know, what do you call that, caping for Jared Goff. But I, if it was the choice between those two, I'm definitely picking Jared.
0: That being said, we're going to spend this segment on why the offense has not achieved at the level, the standard that you heard Jared Goff talk about, of the last two years and let's start with Jared Goff because quite frankly he has not been good enough not only here in 2019 but I would go as far back as the bye and since that Monday Night Football win against the Chiefs he has not played at a Pro Bowl level.
1: That's funny, that's when the drop off up front started if you ask me. Um, When it started to get a little bit leaky. When I guess the secret was out about John Sullivan and you can attack that. Um, That's where the 6-1 came Mm -hmm. in if you ask me. So you can attack that, stop the offense or at least flatten it out. Uh, So go Going into last week, the week before, and the week before that, I mean, Jared's been under pressure. Um, he's done a good job getting the ball out. He's done a good job in the pocket moving around. Can he be better? Absolutely. But um, I don't think it's him regressing. I think it's what's in front of him that's regressing a little bit.
0: And you would think this could be a get-right game as the Bucs have allowed 300-plus yards of passing to a wounded Cam Newton on Thursday night football and then a rookie, Daniel Jones, in his first career start on the road. But, of course, we, and specifically I, said the same thing last week against Cleveland, knowing Mm -hmm. the Browns were missing their entire starting secondary, and it didn't happen.
1: Well, I think this might be the week. I think you're right. I mean, Miles Garrett kind of balances things out because of where he can line up, which is just about anywhere. He's Mm -hmm. that type of guy. These guys, Tampa, I mean, Carl Nassib, who reminds me of Grant Wistrom, my teammate, relentless guy, he's coming from one side, and Shaq Barrett's coming from the other. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where they stay. And they don't have a lot of guys that can – Really win up front. It's a lot of push. So I think this could be the get-right game you were talking about for Jared Goff.
0: Uh, Right now his QBR, 38. It's 26 in the NFL, one spot behind Jameis, and one ahead of Eli Manning. So it's a small sample size. We all believe it will get back to its historic levels. But so far, Goff has not been good enough. That being said, it's been a combination of everything. You pointed out the offensive line, the defenses they're facing.
1: No, wait, wait. No, Jared's got to throw it to the right guy and stop getting greedy. On time. On time. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of that comes because he's been getting hit. He's been getting tagged. So, let me get it out quick. I'm starting to see ghosts. And we
0: don't have to point the finger at Sean McVay, who also plays a hand in this with his uh, weekly game prep and then also in-game play calling because, per usual, he's doing it himself. You know, for the
1: most part, guys have been open. I mean, the shot— that Jared had on the third and one uh, last week where he tried to hit Reynolds and it was covered and when he could have run for the first down, right? Mm-hmm. And even Sean McVay said, I don't think he knew it was third and one. Okay, so that's an everybody thing. So everybody needs to take a breath and slow down. He even said that at halftime. So I don't think you can just point to one guy and say that's the issue. I think it's an offense in, not in flux, but under construction, so to
0: speak. However, yeah. However, I will point out that while he's not making the franchise money yet, he will be soon. Right, and, Jared? And yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You picked him as the face of the franchise and paid him accordingly, and he plays the most important position in sports, and with it comes a responsibility to elevate the play of the other 10 around you. And I don't think through three weeks you can say that Jared Goff has elevated the play of everyone else on that offense.
1: Not yet, no. But he's not holding them back. You know, he's It made some mistakes. He threw some picks. The fumble, asking Sean McVay about that fumble, how do you practice that? He just has to be better in climbing the pocket. Okay, that's on him, too, but... You know, when Miles Garrett gets around your, your right guard in a blink and sticks that long arm out, I don't know how you can see that coming from behind you.
0: I agree with you yeah. there. And, <laughs> and here's an example of what I mean by it's more nuanced than just play better, make better throws, hold on to the football. It's more nuanced than that. And here's what, here's what I mean. Early down success plays a role in everything in football, but look at that strip sack on goff. It came on third and 10 at the end of the second quarter. Why was it third and 10? Because on third and five, third and manageable, Jamil Denby false starts. If you don't give up those five free yards, Jared yeah. Goff is probably not dropping that deep in the pocket. You're not running routes that take that long to develop, and you don't get strip-sacked.
1: Offense under construction. There was a high school team, this is years ago, man, and it's outlawed now, and it's deplorable when you think about it, where if an offensive lineman jumped off sides, he would take his, helmets off, his helmet off, and his teammate would slap him on the field. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm, I'm glad they discouraged that, but I get the point of what you're trying to make. You can't do that in a football game and expect to win. So that is a backup. That's a guy that's trying to be a starter that's not a starter. So you have to live with that right now.
0: I know you said that you can't really detail 6-1 fronts without a grease board or without film, but I'm going to ask you to try. And, and I tie it into this. Yeah. In 2018, the Rams average better than six and a half yards per play on first and second down. They have been on or ahead of schedule more so than any offense in football since Sean McVay took over. So far this year, they're averaging barely five yards per play on the early downs. And I think that's put them in more predictable situations for defenses to tee off on. And part of the reason why I don't think they're getting yards on first and second down is because of this 6-1 structure they're facing, which is... Doing everything possible to make sure that Gurley can't put them on schedule, that that outside zone from which the play action and the bootlegs work so well is taken away from them. You know this offense is built so that every play looks the same. That's how they've designed it. Run plays look like pass plays. Pass plays look like running plays. And the defense is left guessing. That guesswork has somewhat been eliminated by this structure defensively, and until the Rams defeat it, I don't think they're going to find as much success on first and second down.
1: Okay, here's the thing, and when he put it on the board, you said it. When he left the room, and I, I, who did I say it stresses when you put a 6-1 up there? What's the first guy I circled defensively? The nose tackle. I said, this guy has got to be a man because you are spread out defensively, right? And the first thing we said was, you have to attack it up the gut. And I think you said, who would you like to attack up the gut with?
0: In terms of running style? Running
1: the football. We both said Malcolm Brown. If you want to beat a 6-1, and this is why I said Sean McVay already knows the remedy to this. You've got to run through it. Up the gut. So if they're taking away the outside zone, don't run the outside zone. You have to have an inside runner. So either Todd turns into an inside runner or run Malcolm through it how would that look in
0: terms of optics though given the off season narrative
1: I think that's the issue that's the problem that's where you bump into politics but this is football this is what i mean at some point he's going to get sick of hearing about a 6-1
0: can i fortify the yeah. case that you're making with with this uh inside the numbers early inside the numbers here pro football focus says that malcolm brown has been the most difficult back to bring down on first contact this year he's only been tackled on first contact 37% of his runs no one else in the league is less than 50%
1: why do you think that is when they go 6-1 and you put Malcolm in he goes. Thank you. This is what I do. Bam, bam, bam. Five, six yards of carry. It opens everything up.
0: Next on Rams All Access, they have thrived with their ability to rush for every time you talk. Defense with the Rams staff, rush four, rush four, rush four is the refrain. We'll ask DeMarco Far. why is that so important? As we continue on ESPN LA 710. I
1: think when you start talking about the Rams, you start with Aaron Donald
2: and then Todd Gurley and all the rest of the players they have. But I think they have one of the best special teams units uh, in the last four or five since Bones has been there. They do a great job. So it's it's all three phases. It's going to be a great challenge and look forward to it.
0: Bruce Arians in his first year as head coach in Tampa Bay, a familiar foe from the NFC West to Marco Farr. No
1: doubt. Uh, he's got a bunch of plug-uglies up front. Pretty good offensive line. Um, now this is the problem with him as I see it. I, I think, I think Jameis Winston is better in 12 personnel when they have two tight ends on the field.
0: And they've got good tight ends.
1: They do. But I think they are better in 11. I do. I, when they get three receivers on the field, I think they're dynamic and they have guys that can hold up with a good pass rush or good good pass blockers. But I think for Jameis, you have to go 12. That's the problem.
0: and <laughs> That's the issue with them, right? Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Brashad Perriman, those three targets yeah. at receiver in the passing game. And Evans specifically coming off a career performance, three receiving touchdowns last week, 190 receiving yards, and he absolutely took the soul of that Giants secondary.
1: No doubt, and they're struggling bad. I mean, I think the Giants might be the worst secondary in the league, the worst pass defense in the league. So they got right on the Giants. Um, but when you go back and look, they're struggling as well. Without Mike Evans, I mean, they don't have much as long as Jameis Winston is back there slinging the football.
0: One of our biggest questions coming into the year, could this defense become elite? Could they fulfill the promise that a lot of us saw going into 2018 with the roster they had constructed? Would Clay Matthews, would Eric Weddle be the final pieces to the puzzle? Early, but the returns are yes, they can.
1: Absolutely. Uh You know, t- look, Clay Matthews is smart. Um, You see his football background. His dad just went up in the ring of fame while he was there. I can't get over that. Your father is going up into the ring of fame in a game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything cooler it, than
0: that? Well, and the way that he got out of the half and just happened to be able to run over to the stage and give a quick hug on his way back to the Rams sideline. You know how short NFL times are. Kudos to him and the Rams for making that work,
1: and thank you to the Packers for screwing that up thank you, <laughs> thank you to to the Cincinnati Bengals for screwing that up. We got Andrew Whitworth, so yes, to have a guy like that on your field that's just so dynamic that doesn 't waste a step, plus you've got Dante Fowler in a contract year
0: you're, with aaron donald that's you're, good you're referencing the fact that Clay has already exceeded his sack total from all of last season in three games as a Ram. Uh, but he and Fowler and Brockers, who's off to a great start, and Donald, they're getting there without having to blitz. The Rams are tied with San Francisco for the second fewest total blitzes in the league defensively, only Detroit has blitzed less. What does that tell you about the Rams' pass rush and what they're able to do behind it?
1: That Wade Phillips is smart. Wade Phillips is worth every penny. He gets it. He has a generational player in Aaron Donald that wins. And I think the numbers, I saw somebody put that out there. He wins when he single blocks 70% of the time, and I think that's low. Um There are funny guys. Uh Guys that you take five pass rushes, and they lose four, win one, and get the sack. Aaron wins four out of five, you know, and doesn't get the sack, but... He's the more dominant player, so you've, I got a guy that can't be blocked and three other guys that know how to play off him and it's all unselfish football. Like the receivers for this offense, all unselfish. This pass rush is unselfish. They don't care who gets the sack.
0: Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. This is week four of Rams All Access. Bucks are coming to the Coliseum. The Rams have a chance to go through the first quarter of their season Unbeaten. I've got some yeah butts for you, DeMarco. Oh, boy. The defense, fourth overall right now in the league. But they face Cam Newton, who's on the shelf. They've knocked Drew Brees out of a game for the better part of three and change. They had that Cam Jordan fumble, remember, that got wiped away. Freddie Kitchens had some brain cramps on <laughs> Sunday Night Football, to put it lightly. And even if they dominate again this week. Right. Jameis continues to be turnover prone. I don't think... The final verdict will be in on what this Rams defense is capable of, perhaps until they go on the road and face Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks next
1: week. That's fair. I mean, Cam Newton was as healthy as Cam was going to get when they played him. Uh, so they beat him. Um, you get credit, on in my opinion, for knocking Breeze out of a game. When you knock the starter out, that's defensive credit. And then they beat Bridgewater. Look what Bridgewater just did to Seattle. So that's a different deal. And those RPOs in Cleveland are tough, man. They're tough to stop. They really are with Baker Mayfield. And you you found a way to get in front of it and then get pressure on them and make them just go out of whack. But, you know, they would have just kept going with those RPOs down the field if you couldn't stop it, if you couldn't give them something to think about. So they figured out a way to stop that. So um, I, I think they're... I think the defense is building. I think they're exactly where they need to be at this point in the season. The offense needs to get a little bit better, but the defense is exactly where they need to be.
0: As you look at the Bucks' offensive line, can they have similar success at home with the Coliseum crowd behind them going against what's in front of Jameis Winston?
1: As long as and I'm just guessing Bruce Arians, old NFC West foe, and his his style of football, and I bet he goes a lot of two tight ends. Uh I think his best bet to beat you is to pound the daylight you and try to wear you out. Try to keep Jared and the offense on the on the sideline and try to keep the defense on the field. Um if they do get novious passing downs, I don't think they'll be able to stand up. I think they'll get to Jameis. And then once you start getting the Jameis Two Jameis, anything can happen. He'll throw you one, maybe two. Um, so I think the pressure will be there with crowd noise.
0: The Rams are hitting the running game better this year, though. Yeah. That was the indictment against them last year in terms of yards per carry, finishing at the bottom of the NFL. One of the areas they have cleaned up through three weeks so far. Why is that?
1: Well, you know, I he's a work in progress, but, I mean, the nose tackle spot, at least he's feisty. At least he's trying his best. He's You're talking about
0: Seabass? Seabass. You know who's good last week? Who's that? Tanzel Smart had a good game.
1: Finally, you know, had a long talk about him, about getting off the football and watching him on video where he thinks he's doing the exact right thing and it's not. So maybe the light is starting to come on like, hey, look, you're a smaller guy. It's better for you to fly off the football than just to sit and catch. So I think. Maybe he's going to turn the corner and be a serviceable guy.
0: Is it a poignant week for you, for the Rams, to be solid on the interior, knowing that Indominus Sioux is across on the other sideline?
1: Okay, been watching him a lot, exclusively. He's feisty. I mean, he's knocking guys' hands down. He's shoving. He's being prototypical Indomican Sioux, except he doesn't have the production. So this is what I'm saying. If he wants to get into one of those deals, if he wants to get himself thrown out, don't go with him. Let him do his deal. If he punches you in the face, so be it. Back off, get in the huddle. But I think he's feeling that way coming into Sunday.
0: I think especially if the defense gets better without him. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. And and in some way, does the uh, inspired performance of Michael Brockers early in this season tie into that? Like, has is he refreshed by the role he's playing once again?
1: Uh, you know. Sometimes it's uh, what do you call that? Addition by subtraction.
0: Well, that, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you don't had, have you went you went at it more directly than yeah. the, I was trying the more oblique. Approach. You don't have the, you don't have the ego in the room. He seems, yeah. to Brocker seems to be better without Sue. I guess is what I'm driving Fair
1: at. Fair enough. I, I think a lot of people could be. I mean, that was that's a tough deal. And Dominic and Sue is he's he's a, he's a team unto himself. You know what I mean? So I mean, you'd love to have him, but. Does he help chemistry-wise?
0: Probably not. More on Sue and his return to the Coliseum next in Four Down Territory. You're listening to a Week 4 edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to Rams All Access and time for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And our guest this week is the sports director from Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. He's also my
2: brother-in-law, Scott Smith. Good evening. How are you? A lot of pressure with that introduction, especially to make sure I keep the family together with this segment.
0: Well, they they understand that uh, any of your flaws are related to mine, <laughs> so they're very forgiving, <laughs> our audience here. Uh, the Bucs are experiencing some flaws right now after a home yeah. loss against a rookie quarterback making his first start and the New York Giants. What's the state of the franchise coming off that defeat to fall to 1-2? and two?
2: I, I don't think they have any other option except just to move forward. It was a gut-wrenching loss. Uh, that loss to the Giants, they thought, they had it won. They had moved uh, down into within field goal range, obviously a a makeable kick. But what this does, it kind of draws back on all the past nightmares that this team has had when it comes to the kicking situation. They thought they kind of had that figured out with Matt Gay. Uh, The rookie out of Utah was stellar throughout the preseason and er, even early in the first two games of the year. But man, that that missed kick, it kind of shatters things. And this team has kind of gone through so many kickers over the last few years that I think there is a concern that man is he the guy
0: Scott Smith from Fox 13 in Tampa Bay is our guest on four down territory it was seen as a make or break year for Jameis Winston with Bruce Arians the quarterback whisperer at his side is he making it or breaking it so far in 2019
2: it's not looking great so far uh yeah. last week was a a good statistical performance he does have an interception, uh, just a typical Jameis Winston type interception late in that game that didn't approve didn't prove to be too costly. Uh, they were able to get the ball back off a Shaq Barrett turnover, but uh, it's just it's that type of decision making that now in his fifth year they're wondering if he, if he's the guy that can be smart with it. I will say that with Arians coming on board, the one thing he's done is he's instilled confidence in his quarterback. He said from day one, you know, Winston's our guy. We're going to stick by his side. So there is a sense that the the organization has kind of doubled down on their investment in Winston. But, again, he is a game-to-game, drive-to-drive type quarterback where at certain times you think, okay, maybe he deserves some type of long-term contract. And then other times you think you know maybe it's just time to, to move along.
0: When Scott is not covering the Bucks for work, he is a lifelong Detroit Lions fan. So he goes way back with Indomik and Sue, who is now wrapping <laughs> up his career in Tampa Bay. How has the former Ram started with the Bucks?
2: He's kept his head down, stayed quiet, been a good locker room guy. Uh, I think he's paired well with Vita Vea, the young defensive tackle. Uh, you know, I. Say that, but last week it, they did a, a costly move in the inside that led to a go-ahead touchdown by Daniel Jones, at the Giants. Um, but other than that, uh, I think he's he's done a good job. He brings a little different attitude that Gerald McCoy maybe didn't have that Bruce Arians was looking for, and so to this point, he, he's been he's held his own on the line. He's paired well with Vea. He's kind of taken that mantle as being uh, a defensive line leader. Um, so so far. So good.
0: I want to talk about Shaq Barrett to finish four-down territory here. He could barely stay on the field in Denver, never really seemed to click there. He goes to Tampa Bay, and after three weeks, he's leading the NFL in sacks with eight,
2: Scott. Is he the real deal? Well, he is on pace for 41, so that's where all our fingers crossed here in Tampa. For No, he's definitely benefiting from the Todd Bowles defense, and they, they've yet to— bring another guy to chip him on the edge so he's been in these one-on-one matchups he says that you know he's learned from his time in Denver uh and part of it was health but part of it was he's learned from some of the best to do it in Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware so he feels like he's added to his tool belt over over the years and now he's able to actually show it off um obviously the numbers will start to to come back down to to normalcy uh that being said I think he's developed some confidence, too. For the first time in his career, he's seeing some of the the rewards of of the hard work. But, yeah, 41, mm, I'll take the under.
0: (laughs) Well, Scott, bummed you won't be here this weekend, but can't wait to see what you bring me for Christmas in Los Angeles.
2: Again, we're talking a half-eaten Cuban sandwich from Tampa Bay. I'm bringing it, and uh we'll see how how well it holds. Perfect.
0: All right, have a great weekend, Scott. You too. Rams All Access is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Rams. We continue with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is your week four edition of Rams All Access. Hope you'll join us at the Coliseum Sunday for a showdown with the Bucks. Uh, Bruce Arians now at the controls, Byron Leftwich handling the offense. We heard a little bit about the defense, specifically NFL sack leader Shaq Barrett, uh, who's tied with Mark Gastineau in 1984, DeMarco, for most sacks by a player through the first three games of a season. The good news for the Rams, he goes mostly against left tackles, so you get to pair your strength in wit against the Bucs' strength in Barrett.
1: Old, uh, old school, and with guys like him, and especially Barrett and Nassib on the other side, make them run the hoop. Force them out wide. If you let them inside, you die. So I think Witt knows that. So if Shaq Barrett is going to beat Andrew Whitworth, it's going to be over the top. And Jared Goff is being coached to do what? Step up in the pocket. So it's going to be a group effort. Uh quarterback and left tackle and right tackle. When these guys are forced wide, step up, there's going to be lanes there. And you got to do a good job with these big guys, uh not giving up too much push. But they're pretty good with that. So yeah, I mean um I like their defense. I think their defense is talented. Uh Their secondary is very experienced. Think about this, right? This is a defense that's been going against Breeze a lot. So, Jarrett can't get lazy. And Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan. You can't get lazy with the football or stare people down. They will pick you and go, especially at linebacker. Devin White is as fast as they come, and Levante David hasn't missed a play in eight years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you got to be letter perfect. Uh But if you keep them on the field, if you let Sean McVay do his thing, stay on schedule,
0: you can manipulate them just like you do most defenses. Uh, Jared's numbers so far this season, his interception rate way up. He's got three picks, three fumbles already, touchdown rate down. But this feels like the opportunity to get right before you have the quick turn for a road game at Seattle, your first NFC West test.
1: I think you have to run it. Um Todd Gurley, I, I, he's the first guy that we need to talk about because when we talk about the 6-1, it's, it's designed to stop you. So if there is one scheme or one defense I can call to take one player away, then what good are you? So you're going to have to adjust to what you're seeing, and you're going to have to force that defense into changing, and that helps everything out.
0: Speaking of the West, there's only one game this week featured Entering, uh division foes, Seattle at Arizona, because San Francisco has the bye. We'll go around the division in our final segment, plus some inside the numbers. But DeMarco, I'm going to veer left here into JoJo Natson. and What I mean is he was my guest on Rams Revealed this week, a podcast you can find wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple but I asked him who is the fastest Ram? Jojo's five foot seven, hundred and forty five pounds on a good day. Uh here was his answer. Here's the punt returner for the Ram. All right, so who is the fastest Ram?
2: That's a good question. That's a real good question. We got some guys that's we got some guys that's rolling. No, I, I like, I like myself too, but you know, that'll be a good, that'll be a good race.
0: If you were to select the top three or the top five, who would you want to line up against to figure that out once and for I'm all? I'm
2: going to go with the top three. I'll say Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and for the last person, we'll go with me for the three spot. All right. And then, yeah, we'll go with me for the And if three you get spot. a good start, if you come out of the oh, blocks yeah. fast, you oh, like yeah. your chances yeah, of, most
0: of, of finishing that one. Most definitely. I asked him what the best part about being 5'7 yeah. was, I was thinking he'd say something like, you know, any airplane seat is a good airplane, Travel, seat, something like first that. Thing I thought, yeah. He says, no, those coming down on punt return to try and tackle me, they don't want to bend at the knees and the waist and get down and try and hit somebody who's such a small target. No. That's his competitive advantage.
1: I'm aiming for your shoestrings against him. Um, fastest guys, uh, in, uh, being pursued, I'll go Cooper Cup. 10 yard sprint, Aaron Donald. Come on. <laughs> I'm 10 yard sprint, you're not going to beat him. Anybody on that football team. From, from one to ten, you're not gonna beat him.
0: Did you see him track down Nick Chubb from the backside of a running play? Dude, he's amazing. I yeah. mean, that was about a ten yard. Sprint coming off of a right guard and he got there in a hurry. Hundred
1: I may take I may take Todd Gurley. You're not long strider.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh this week's Rams All Access poll question is on the other side. Which NFC team do you consider the greatest challenger to the Rams in 2019? Your answers and ours on ESPN LA seven ten after this. Let's finish this week four edition of Rams All Access to Marco Farr and JB Long with our Rams All Access poll question. Which NFC opponent do you consider the greatest challenger to the Rams in two thousand nineteen? An overwhelming 57% of the vote went to the Cowboys. Packers were next with 22% undefeated and playing Thursday Night Football as we speak. 16% say still the Saints, despite losing Drew Brees for a period of time and coming off that road win in (laughs) Seattle. 5% with the undefeated division rival, the 49ers. DeMarco, a couple good write-ins. One, themselves. (laughs) A good one. Another, low-key, the Vikings. I don't know if we could stop Dalvin Cook, and their defense is pretty good. I tend to think of this question more in the context of where would you not want to play in January.
1: You know, my my first answer is the next one you play, but going to Minnesota is rough.
0: Real rough. That that
1: place is loud. At least it's indoors. Yeah. When they score, it looks like a casino
0: in there. I think that's in the New Orleans category in terms of climate control, but loud. Going to New
1: Orleans is tough, too.
0: Yeah, we've seen that. And then there's another category, which is the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And I don't think any of us have an interest in playing there in late January.
1: You know, I just because
0: of Jared and playing in the cold, no. But... Yeah, that, that would be a place
1: to avoid. And Dallas, that would be the most hyped game of the century Height, if that happens. yes, but yeah.
0: intimidating environment relative to the others? No, I mean, I like playing in Dallas. It's fun.
1: That stadium is cool. But, yeah, it's it doesn't have the same bite that New Orleans has. Or even but it's Seattle. fun
0: playing there. Or even Seattle, for that matter.
1: Or even Seattle. But, I mean, when you face Dallas, especially in that situation, you know the whole world comes to see it. It invites its own sort of pressure.
0: If the Rams can win, this is one of those weeks that has a chance to leave you feeling much better about all of the Rams' playoffs possibilities. And what I mean by that is first division game in the West, Seattle-Arizona. Win or lose, either way, you're going to rule the Cardinals out of the equation, which some already have. Or maybe Seattle takes back-to-back losses. Eagles-Packers playing right now. That's another big NFC loss for one of the contenders we perceive preseason. Cowboys-Saints, that's a big one. Vikings-Bears, maybe even get the Chiefs to knock off the Lions to knock them down to size, get them their first loss. My point is there's a lot of coin flip games that no matter who wins, the team that loses looks good for the Rams.
1: And if you beat Tampa, you have to take care of your own business. Yeah, you
0: don't want to be licking your own wounds. Makes
1: sense. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. I mean, uh, you know, when you start thinking macro like that, that's always great in this great horse race of you know playoff contention. But the first thing you have to do is take care of Tampa. These are the great weeks where you get a chance to get a jump on the competition in the NFC. So all you have to do is take care of your business, and the rest will take care of itself.
0: Take a closer look at that Seahawks-Cardinals contest in just a moment, but a reminder that rams all access is brought to you by zip recruiter the smartest way to hire try zip recruiter for free just go to zip slash rams that's zip slash rams this nugget courtesy of andrew siciliano and knowing andrew as we do uh it hits home for him here's what i mean russell wilson and kyler murray the first nfl matchup of quarterbacks under six feet tall <laughs> in 49 years <laughs> really Wait a minute, how tall is Case? Didn't Case and Russell go at it once or twice? I think Case on paper might officially be six feet. That's probably why. That's right. probably why. But you know, Andrew, as looks. I do, right, right. No, no coincidence that he found that nugget, right? I
1: love the short quarterbacks, absolutely.
0: Seahawks 5-0-1 against the Cardinals at what is now State Farm Stadium in their last six. Their last loss in the state of Arizona, week one of 2012. That was Russell Wilson's first career start. Do you give Kyler Murray any chance? He's attempted the most passes through his first three career games since the merger.
1: I, I give him a chance, uh, but Russell Wilson is the more experienced guy. I think Seattle is the better football team. I think they're functioning as the better football team, even coming off a loss and they're coming off a loss, which will help them refocus. Uh, so they're dangerous, but I, I give Kyler Murray a, a puncher's chance to get something done.
0: Official Case Keenum roster listing six foot one. Ah, barely, really? You've stood on the sideline next to him, I'll let you draw your own. I'm six
1: one and I can eat a peanut off the top of his head. Okay?
0: (laughs) As for that Saints uh, Cowboys showdown, this one's really intriguing to me because Bridgewater did get it done on the road in Seattle, but he didn't have a completion of more than 13 air yards. So he basically just found Kamara, which he wasn't able to do at the Coliseum, and let him account for 61% of the Saints' scrimmage yards.
1: Smart, right? I mean, throw it where they're not. I mean, Pete Carroll's going to give you some outs. If you can hit this throw, then you beat the defense. You've heard this before. So if you do it 90% of the time, you're going to probably put them in a situation where you can beat them.
0: Conversely, Dak is balling. He leads the NFL in total QBR, ranks second in passing touchdowns behind Patrick Mahomes, the Cowboys, however, have faced the easiest strength of schedule to date, according to ESPN FPI. Are you buying the Cowboys?
1: Uh, yes. Now, let me say this about Dak Prescott, when we talked about him and 40 million. No, not as of right now. But if he keeps improving, absolutely. And I think he's starting to prove that maybe he is a 40 million dollar guy.
0: Last thing, quick inside the numbers before we leave you for week four in a showdown with the Bucs. Aaron Donald has drawn a double team on 72% of his pass rushes as a defensive tackle this season. That's up from 64% a year ago, which we thought couldn't be matched. You know what I'm thinking?
1: What the hell were the other 30% thinking?
0: <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> Coming off his first sack of 2019, can he get another or a few against Jameis, Winston, and the Box? We'll find out Sunday in Week 4. Talk to you from the Coliseum, and thanks for listening to Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.